You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. This is Chuck Merrill with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the Strong Towns podcast. It's really nice to be here with you today. Today, we're going to talk about the lawsuit, lawsuits, plural, that we're involved in here at Strong Towns. It's been a long time since we chatted about this, and I, I get a lot of questions about it. It's probably the most frequent question I get when I'm on the road. And I just want to update everybody and tell everybody what's going on. A little bit of background information. There's some of you who are probably new to this. I know every time something gets posted on this, we've got a lot of new listeners, a lot of new readers, a lot of new people tuning in. And they're like, what? We didn't hear anything about this. Go back and listen to prior episode. There's episodes from last summer where we talked a little bit about this. I'm not going to go into huge depth on it. I'll give kind of a, a shortened version of what's gone on. I am a licensed engineer. I am a civil engineer. I got my license in 2000. I've kept my license up to date and current ever since, except for a period of time. And I'll get to that in a second. As an engineer in Minnesota, you get a two-year licensing window. You update your license, you, you file the paperwork. There's certain continuing ed and things that you have to do. You do that every other year in June. And you know then you get to keep your license. I haven't done any engineering work since 2012. Uh, but I've maintained my license, including doing the continuing ed credits, largely because the license has value to me. It's not an easy license to get. I worked really hard to get it, especially in the early days of Strong Towns. It wasn't clear that this whole thing was going to amount to anything except me just flailing away, trying to uh, you know be a voice in the wilderness. I, I never anticipated we would be here doing this in this way. And so I have maintained my license. I've done what it, it takes to keep my license current. In 2016, I renewed my license on time and, and everything was fine. Again, I, I'm not practicing. I haven't done anything that actually required a license. And shortly after I renewed, my family moved. When we moved, I was supposed to, I have acknowledged this a, a number of times, I was supposed to notify the board of licensure that I had a new address. I failed to do that. I did not do that. Two years later in 2018, when uh, there was a renewal notice sent out, uh, that renewal notice didn't come to me. I am going to admit right now what I've admitted other times. Paperwork is not my strong suit, right? I got so many different things going on and I've got a lot of people here who help me balance like many, many, many things. And, and the idea that I would need to renew engineering license number 40142 in June of 2018 slipped through the cracks. It didn't with intention, obviously. I kept uh, my, my continuance. I was fully qualified to get a license at that point. I literally just needed to send in the form and send in the payment and, and I would get my license. But I didn't do that. I failed to do that. And so in July of 2018, my license expired. My license did not renew. Fast forward now, almost two full years. It was quite a while. And for some reason, and I, I don't even remember why, but Michelle Erfurt, uh, one of my coworkers, 
needed to know, I think it was for something Urban 3 asked them for, actually. Thanks, Joe. Actually, it really did help. So thank you, Joe. <laughs> Michelle Erfurt had to look up my license number. I had just moved offices. I couldn't remember my number. Like I said, I'm not practicing. I never write it down. I never have any official things I have to sign or do as an engineer. I've not practiced as an engineer for a long time. I didn't remember my license number. She went and looked it up. And when she looked it up on the licensing board website, what she saw was that it was expired. It said, your license is expired. And she told me this. I didn't believe it at first. I, you know, I have a, like a Slack thread that has become evidence now in these trials. Um, I said, you know, no, that's wrong. You're, you, you're mistaken. I clearly remember renewing. I, in fact, do remember renewing, but I don't know if I didn't. If I failed to do it, if the check never arrived, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any proof that I did. And I've been willing to accept that I did not renew, but my license had expired. That very day I sat down, I filled out the paperwork and I sent it in. If you are late renewing, there's a late fee. Okay, fine. I'll pay the late fee. Like I get it. And I was close enough to like the next registration period where I filled out that form and, and sent it in too. One of the boxes on that form said, uh, have you represented yourself as a professional engineer in writing or in any other things in the state of Minnesota over this period of time? And I checked, no. This all happened. I got my license renewed. They sent me a notice, said, you're current, congratulations, everything's good. And I just went on with my life. Again, I don't practice. I'm not out signing plans. I'm not doing consulting work. I'm not giving advice in terms of uh, you know, official things that engineers are out doing. I've not solicited work. I've not applied for work. I've not you know, chased after work. I've not responded to any proposals. I've not done anything that requires an engineering license. But about six weeks after I renewed, I got a letter from the Board of Licensure. The letter said, hey, we received a complaint that you were practicing without a license. The complaint uh, was from a, an engineer in South Dakota. I actually called the guy and chatted with him. He said he had uh, come across some things that I had written, didn't really appreciate it, didn't really like it, decided he would look me up and figure out what was going on with me, discovered that my license was expired, went through and documented a bunch of instances where I had used the initials PE behind my name in my bio, on the website, on my LinkedIn page, in some slides that, uh, that were, you know, the, the front slide of some presentations that I gave. And he sent that, you know, evidence to the board and the board was following up. And the board had some very specific questions to me. Have you practiced without a license? What plans have you signed? What things have you done? What work have you engaged in? And there was very specific, like very focused on like, what work have you done? And I read this and I thought, well, this this is an honest confusion. This guy's obviously, when I talked to him on the phone, I was a little bit annoyed with him. And I'm like, why didn't you just tell me that my license expired? Like that would have been a professional courtesy to do. And he said, you know, had I done that, you would have fixed it before they had a chance to come after you and punish you. And so I like, okay, I, I get where we're at. I've been through this with the board before. I have been down this road before with the board. And so I anticipated that this would be easily resolved, that this would go away. I sent a response to the board. I told them, yeah, I haven't done any engineering work, haven't done anything that needed a license, don't have any plans to show you, don't have anything that I signed. Months, months, months went by. This was July. In November, I heard from the board again. 
This time the board wanted me to sign what they call an order and stipulation. It's basically an agreement that I broke the law and that I accept the punishment that they were going to hand down. At that point, the punishment was a censure, a reprimand, and I'm going off of memory here, but like a $1,500 fine, basically a bunch of findings about how I had lied to the board, lied to the public, made false statements, misrepresented myself, held myself out as an engineer without proper licensure. And the initial statement said that I had committed fraud. Blew my mind. I'm like, what, what is going on? There must be something there must be something mixed up here. There must be some mistake. I actually assumed at the beginning, like this was an honest mistake. This was a, a, a you know mistake that, that sometimes happens in these types of situations. And so I sent a letter to the board. I said, I think things are screwed up here. I think you've got this backward. I had done some research into other places where they had done orders and stipulations, people committing like truly heinous things like uh, defrauding clients and, uh, you know, claiming to be a license when they weren't qualified to be licensed. I mean, not just had something lapsed, but like literally like didn't have the qualifications. Uh, many of these people had not been censured, had not had the, uh, the sanctions that they were proposing for me. But nonetheless, you know, if you go through the statute, it says, here's the factors you have to factor in when you're looking to do something like this. And, and when you go through the factors, it's things like, you know, was there intent here? Did anybody come to harm in this? And when you go through these factors, like all of them would say like, no, no harm. Nothing was on. There was no intent. Da, 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 da. The board got back to me and, and basically held firm. They're like, no, like you're going to sign this. We find you this. And if you don't do this, we're going to take you to a contested case hearing in front of a judge. And, uh, you know, we're going to basically throw the power of the state at you. It's at this point that I got an attorney. Because my sense is that we could work this out very cordially. Like we're all professionals here. We could have a adult conversation and that, that was not happening. And it quickly became clear to me why, as we started to get into this situation, it was one of those things where the dissonance between, you know, what to me, like the profession would do and what was being done just continued to grow and grow and grow. And what I didn't want to believe that they were actually joining the cause to, to slander me, to, to use the, let's say, organs of the state, the power of the state to, you know, declare me a fraud, declare me a liar, declare me dishonest. Well, I didn't want to believe that that's what their motivation was. It became pretty hard to not see that in their actions. I had a chance to meet with them on a Zoom call or go to webinar or whatever the program that was they used, some web-based program. It was very perfunctory. They, they allowed me to speak. It was clear that we were not having a dialogue. They uh, then you know, proceeded to exchange terms of, in a sense, commenting on how terrible of a person I was. They brought up things like speeches that I gave and talks that I gave and podcasts that I did. And you know, one person said that he was concerned that people would believe me when I was not licensed. That somehow, you know, by representing I was licensed when I was not, was going to make people listen to my speech more, listen to the talks that I gave more than they otherwise would, and that that, you know, was injurious to the state. It was quite like the Twilight Zone. Like I was sitting there going, like, I, I can't believe what I'm going through. I can't believe what I'm doing uh, here. And I can't believe this conversation. 
Ultimately, the board held firm. They loosened things down a little bit. They went down to a $500 fine. They dropped the censure, but they insisted on two things that to me were unbearable, right? The first one was this finding of that I lied to the board, that I lied to the public, that I lied to the board, that I misrepresented myself, that I submitted false statements, and basically that I committed uh, some level of fraud. There's been some debate over the use of the word fraud. They use the word, they quoted the word, they quoted the statute with the word. At some point later on, they switched and said, not fraud, just misrepresentations and lies. <laughs> it's a, you know, a distinction without much of a difference. They wanted me to sign a statement saying that I did that. And you can see how if you are out to discredit strong towns, which is clearly what like the guy who filed a complaint was doing, discredit me, discredit our movement, discredit the things that I'm saying, it would be really helpful to have the state of Minnesota declare that this guy is a fraud or this guy is a liar. This guy misrepresents himself. The other thing, and this is a modest technicality, but it was very important to me, the timeline that they put together that they presented that was in their final thing that they wanted me to sign said that they had notified me of the complaint. Then I had renewed my license. Then I had responded to them as if I renewed my license because there was a complaint. And I clearly renewed my license, completely unaware of the complaint, completely ignorant of it. I renewed my license of my own accord because I discovered that it had expired. Um, they refused to fix that, what is a factual error and really shouldn't be in dispute, right? Like there was no reason to dispute that. The only reason to dispute that was because, again, you know, why? I can speculate why. Why wouldn't you correct a factual error in the record? To me, the reason you wouldn't correct a factual error in the record is because you, you, you want to slander someone. You want to use, again, the power of the state to make someone look bad. I offered to sign an order and stipulation. I offered to pay the fine and I offered to accept even a reprimand, but I asked for those two things to be taken out. I asked for the facts to actually be corrected, to have the correct timeline of what happened so that it was clear that I initiated this on my own uh, recognizance, that I, I did this on my own. I fixed this on my own before I was aware of the complaint. They refused to do that. The other thing I ask is that we stricken the idea that I lied. There's zero evidence that, and, and I'm, I'm going to sound like an attorney here. I mean, I can tell you, I did not lie, right? Like I, I did not know my license had expired. I certainly did not go out and knowingly represent myself as an engineer when my license was expired. The moment I found out my license was expired, literally within a couple hours, I had renewed my license. I had sent in the renewal papers. Like I had zero intent of uh, having my license expired. And so I asked that, you know, I will acknowledge that for a period of time, my license was expired and that my bio, my LinkedIn page, and some of my slides demonstrated that I, you know, suggested that I was a PE when in fact my license had lapsed. I was willing to admit that I was willing to pay a fine. I was willing to do a reprimand, but I was not willing to say that it was intentional that I lied or that I had lied to the board in any way. The board rejected that. They refused that. And they said, if you don't sign this, we're taking you to a contested case hearing. Like you're going to go to court. We're going to sue you to stop this. Because really the act of doing that is a defamation in and of itself, right? Because now all of a sudden all this stuff is public. We're out in the public realm. We're debating this. 
I've already had, you know, this has been since last June. So it's been eight months now. I've already had twice, twice, twice people who were arguing with things that I said in the public realm, cite this court case as a thing that discredits me and discredits the ideas that Strong Towns is putting forward as a rationale. So we've already suffered damage from this, right? Like we already have had people who have shoved this in our face and said, look, this guy can't be trusted. He committed, you know, the state is saying he's a liar. The state is saying he's misrepresented himself. And even if he wins on a technicality, you know, they brought this up for a reason, right? So we've already suffered that problem. To avoid that, to avoid that, we initiated a lawsuit in federal court. On First Amendment grounds, the argument that we made was that we have a right to free speech. There's nothing that I did over the period of time that my license had lapsed uh, that was engineering work, that they were coming after me strictly for speech, and that from a very strict uh, First Amendment standpoint, they did not have a right to do that. I, I was not doing anything that would constitute the practice of engineering except for being out talking about things. And that talk did not require licensure and was not subject to their jurisdiction. That's a case we filed last June. And if you go back and listen, there's a lot of stuff we published on that. We had our attorney on, we had discussions and talks about it. At the same time, or shortly thereafter, the state filed in state court against me uh, personally and brought an action to compel this order to be in place, the order that I lied, I misled the public, da 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 those two things have been going on in, in parallel. And in December, we got a resolution to the federal case, and it, it was not in our favor. The judge dismissed that case and dismissed that case in very narrow grounds, like for very specific reason. I want to say that we suspected this would happen. When you're doing something like this, and I've been involved in court cases before, never as <laughs> the plaintiff or the defendant, but I've been involved as an expert witness and other things in the past. Back when I did a lot of planning work, there were annexation disputes and other things that were in administrative court, and, and I was involved in those. And you always kind of develop a little bit of optimism and a little bit of belief in your side, but we knew that our case was in some ways a long shot. There are some case studies, some rules. I don't know the exact legal thing. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not pretending to be a lawyer. Um, but there's some, some things on precedent that suggest that in order for a federal court to intervene in something where there is a state action pending, there would have to be some factor that would suggest that the state couldn't resolve this. And I want to point this out because it's very interesting. The state attorney general, who is basically the state licensing board has to retain the state attorneys general to work on their behalf. So I am being these court cases are with the board of licensure, but it's an attorney from the attorney general's office that is dealing with this. So the attorney from the attorney general's office argued in our federal case that there's no reason for the federal court to intervene because the state can deal with any constitutional issues. The state process will actually address any of these that come up. And so there's no reason for the federal government to intervene. There's no, there's no reason for them to override the state process because the state process can handle that. And the federal judge basically agreed with that. So this doesn't rise to the level of where I would need to intervene and be part of this. So the 
the federal case got dismissed in December. We got that notification. I didn't get it until January. My attorney got it in December. He was out with COVID for a while and, and not doing well. I got it after the first of the year. And so now we're full speed ahead with just the state case. And in the state case, I am not the plaintiff. I am the defendant. We just filed our motions. Right now, at this point, the state is asking for, I want to say it's summary judgment. Hang on a second. I turn around and look at this thing. I actually have their filing right here. Is it summary judgment? Complaint committee? Yeah, summary disposition. So they're asking for the judge to rule without having a hearing, without taking any additional evidence. And the state's case is that, like, this is very clear. It's very, very clear. You know, Marone claimed to be a licensed engineer. Uh, he was not an engineer. He lied and he lied again and he lied again and he lied again and he lied and lied and lied and he's a liar. And that violates the state law. And we have the right to punish him, allow us to go forth and do that. I have to say, it's very painful. I don't want sympathy. This is not something trying to get uh, sympathy. It's just very painful to read this thing and say, you know, Marone lied here, Marone lied here, Marone lied in this way. They're saying like, every time I showed my front slide of my presentation, a presentation I've been doing for a decade, the front slide says Charles L. Marone, P. Every time that that slide came up was me lying to the public. Every time someone would log into my LinkedIn page, which by the way, I did a long time ago, I filled out many, many years ago. I've not updated it. I've not changed it. I've not gone in and changed my title. I didn't like proactively go out and say, well, I'm not a P, but I'm going to say I am. Every time someone did that, I was lying to the public. When I told the board that I had not represented myself as an engineer in the practice of engineering, I lied to the board because obviously I was practicing engineering in all these instances where I was out, you know, referring to myself as an engineer with a license. I remember when I wrote my bio, you know, because I, I wrote like an original one and it's been amended a couple of times. We, we changed things. I'm going to say this, this is going to sound a little bit of like a diva. I've got a team that does these things now. I couldn't tell you for sure what my bio says right now because it's been edited a few times by others, which, you know, they're, they're good at this work. Uh, so I let them do that. I remember when I first did my bio and I put in it that I was licensed in the state of Minnesota. I could have just said, I'm a licensed or I'm a civil engineer. Or I've got a civil engineering degree or whatever. But I remember putting licensed in the state of Minnesota. I remember why I put that. I put that because it actually was proud of being from Minnesota. You know, most of you know that I live in Brainerd, Minnesota. Uh, this is a city that I was born in. I actually live a block and a half away from the hospital that I was born in. My kids were born there too. Uh, my parents were born there too. I've got a long history here. I've got like deep, deep roots in this community, in this city, in this state. I, I have had many opportunities to go live somewhere else, work somewhere else, be part of something else. And I've chosen to stay here, even in times that were really, really difficult because I feel attached to this place. I don't have to explain this to you. You're listening to the Strong Downs podcast. It, it was a source of pride to me to put license in the state of Minnesota because quite frankly, and let me put this in a marketing sense, I like the brand Minnesota. I like what it says. I love my state. I like being from here. There is no state I would rather be part of, right? 
And so there was a source of pride for me to put license in the state of Minnesota. It was a little gratuitous. I didn't need to do it, but I did because I was very proud of that. And that's actually the statement that they're coming back at me at now, which, you know, is really, really a shame. I want to say something about the lying. My attorney is asking, we, we don't want summary disposition. We actually want a hearing. There are facts here in contention. I was reading through all the things that we filed. I mean, obviously I approved them when they're filed. So I've read them all multiple times. My attorney wrote this and I signed off on it. Obviously, if the board's only concern were whether Morona made a technical and inadvertent oversight in failing to realize that his licensure had lapsed, this matter would have been settled long ago. And I think that's very true. If that's what they were worried about, right? But that's clearly not what they're worried about. They're worried about something far bigger than that. I want to get to that in a sec. Let me go through a couple of things. Everything's all filed now. Like we're just waiting for the judge and the judge is not going to listen to this podcast. I mean, I doubt the judge is going to listen to this podcast. If the judge is listening to this podcast, let's have a hearing and you can listen to me in firsthand and you can let the state ask me questions and everyone will ask me questions and I'll answer every question you have and every question everybody else has. Like you don't need to listen to this podcast. So I'm assuming the judge is not listening to this. Uh, That would be quite unorthodox. But I'm going through, you know, the stuff that they're submitting. And I'm, again, I'm not an attorney here. But when I look at this, they're like, hey, Marone uh, failed to renew his license. I'm reading, you know, the stuff they submitted now. Here's the, the, the case officer who's done the investigation. I went through and looked at all these videos that posted that Marone in his opening slide, it says PE. Now I never stand up there and say like, I am a licensed engineer. I am a professional engineer. It just, it's got like the thing on my slide. In fact, I went back and looked at some of these presentations because they're saying I represented myself as an engineer to this crowd. And I'm like, did I really, did I ever say that? Because that those words like don't come out of my mouth. I don't stand up in front of the group and say, I am a licensed engineer. It might come out sometimes, like if I'm asked a question or what have you, but I I generally don't like open with that, you know, but what they were referring to, and they say this in the documents, they're referring to my title slide. And I was looking at this and I'm like, well, this talk didn't happen in Minnesota, (laughs) you know, like this, like I wasn't doing this in Minnesota, a technicality, sure. Right. But like, I, I don't know, like, why are these guys chasing me all over the country when I make a speech in Annapolis, why are they worried about, you know, what I said? Like, I, I don't get it. They cited the Strong Towns Academy and they actually printed off a course outline that I had done for the Strong Towns Academy. I did a course on transportation in there. And in that course is my bio and my bio says I'm a licensed engineer. And they submitted that as evidence. Like, look, this guy lied. He lied to the public. He claimed here to be a licensed engineer. And oh, even worse, they're charging people for this course. Here's the amazing thing. That course didn't come out until well after June of 2020, right? I mean, I think that that course wasn't actually published until like October or November of 2020. I don't think I actually finished it until 2021, way way after my license had been renewed. There was not even a website that had the Academy on it in that fashion, had that course on there uh, with that outline they provided until way after my license had renewed. These guys are making stuff up. They're making stuff up and they're, they are lying. That's the sad part here is that they are lying. They claim that my LinkedIn profile was lying to the public. They actually use that word that I lied to the public in my LinkedIn profile. If you go to my LinkedIn profile, it will say I'm an engineer. It says my degrees and all that stuff. Um, it's a LinkedIn profile, right? 
I don't know about you. I don't update my LinkedIn profile all that often, right? I don't go in there. I certainly did not go in there after my license had expired and changed it to say, PE, I'm a licensed engineer. I certainly did not do that. Again, I don't know what we're getting at here. This has been like a really ridiculously long introduction to something that I wanted to get to about this state case that has kind of surprised me a little bit. I mentioned at the top that this was my second time dealing with this kind of issue with the board. Back in 2015, I received a a similar notice from the board indicating that they had received a complaint against me. And this one, you know, included some documentation. The documentation said, you know, as for work I had done on the website and other things like that, they had reviewed it and decided that there was not cause to go forward with any type of an issue, but that they would monitor the situation. And uh, if something came up in the future, you know, they were ready to act. I took it as like a warning shot, right? Like someone was filing a complaint against me saying, hey, we don't like what you're saying. And, you know, the board was saying, yeah, you step out of line and, and this will be a problem. Here's the interesting thing. That's all I got with that. I didn't get much at all, right? Like I just got this letter and a couple of attachments and it was rather opaque. And I think in, in my brain, it seemed very nefarious by the person who filed the complaint. I mean, the person who filed the complaint was an engineer themselves, a former fellow with the American Society of Civil Engineers. He was affiliated with an activist group that was uh, lobbying for money at the state capitol. I was a big critic of that group and of that lobbying effort and you know, wrote many, many times, including times that he uh, sent to the board as evidence of my you know, violation of state laws, things that were critical of that effort to basically get more funding from the state legislature for transportation. But I didn't get much, right? Like I certainly did not get my file. As part of this state case, our lawyer, we went through discovery and we asked them for documents and we got my entire file. And I have to tell you, it's utterly fascinating. Not only was this all this back and forth between the guy who filed the initial complaint, you know, saying basically the board had sent me or was sending me just a notice saying that, you know, they'd resolve this thing. And he got a hold of them and said, no, no, no. I want you to send him the stuff. So he sees exactly what it is. Basically, I want him to know he's on notice for specific things that he's written. But in the file, there were actually, you know, the notes from the staff, the notes from the deliberations, where they highlight very specific statements that I said and have like question, like, is this a violation of state law? Let me let me read some of these to you. Those of you that have read my book, Confessions of a Recovering Engineer, are familiar with the Destiny Gonzalez story. It's it's what I opened the book with is a centerpiece of the book in Springfield, Massachusetts, again, not in Minnesota, but forget that Uh, slight technicality. When I was in Massachusetts, giving a talk in Springfield, this young girl was killed on a street that I had gone and looked at that day. And I kind of looked at it that day because a lot of like neighborhood activists had been complaining about it. And I went and looked at it with them. I talked about it with them. It was clear that their complaints were valid. I wrote a whole book about it now because there's been no action on it. But that night when Destiny was killed, I wrote this article 
And I will admit, like, I was mad. I was angry. This is the article that was in the complaint. This is the one that they go through. And if you go through this, you can see the memos that they have in the file, in my file here. Uh, Here's one dated January 7th, 2015. They're going on about, uh, you know, the allegation against me. I went to the website, Strong Towns, and under the tab located at the bottom of the homepage, it does show the respondent as a PE, see attached, respondent is licensed as a PE with the board and is current. You know, it goes on and says, blogging may be his right to free speech. In reading the blog, the respondent does seem to criticize professional engineers in general, but I cannot see where he singles out one in particular. Does this rise to the level of complaints? This is their internal conversation, you know, as if if I were to criticize the profession, maybe, maybe not. But so then they go through and they highlight all these areas in here where my words draw concern. At the end of the article that I wrote, this is a December 3rd, 2014 article titled just another pedestrian killed. And I, like I said, I was mad. Like I was livid and I wrote quote, here's what I am fed up with. And they underlined, I am fed up with as if like, that's a questionable statement. And then my first bullet point, the engineering profession is so worried about liability. If they vary from any highway design guideline, regardless of how ridiculous they are. The engineering profession is worried, is so worried about liability is underlined. That's underlined as a problematic statement, as a statement that needs to be investigated by the board. My second point, they also underline professional engineers here and elsewhere use forgiving design. That is underlined. Principles in urban areas where they do not apply. They've underlined the first half of that sentence as being something they need to look into. This next one is actually starred and underlined. I go into this discussion on forgiving design and I say, quote, for everyone else, we understand that cities are more than cars. They include people doing all kinds of things. And then the rest of this is what is underlined and starred. And forgiving the common mistakes of all people is what a humane, decent profession does. That apparently is problematic to the Board of Engineering Licensure, at least, you know, their investigator back in in 2015. I go on. Uh, professional engineers claim that they cannot alter human behavior with their street designs. That is also underlined. I don't know why that's underlined. I don't know why that would potentially be problematic to anybody, but that's the kind of thing that's in my file that they're looking up. And then at the end of that (laughs) the paragraph, I write, and again, I was mad. I was very angry. I write, which is it engineers? Are we behavioral scientists or not? Again, I don't know why that would be a problematic statement, but that's a statement that they underlined in here as needing special attention on whether I broke state laws or not. Uh, Here's the next line. For those of you that read me, you know that I don't, I'm not like an inflammatory kind of guy. I don't tend to go off. I was mad. This little girl had just been killed on a street where all kinds of people have been saying for a long time that something needed to be done. Here's what they underlined. Here's what I wrote. I'm fed up with people being killed because my profession contains a bunch of dogmatic idiots. That was problematic. And the licensing board said, this is a statement that we need to flag and identify and discuss as to whether, you know, this rises to the level of a violation of state law going on. uh, I wrote this, but Chuck, we can't do this says the incompetent fool of an engineer. They underlined that statement. Going on, I write, in my world, in a just world, and then here's where they begin their underline again, that engineer loses their job tomorrow and their license because they are a danger to society. The licensing engineering board, when I wrote that and they received a complaint a month later, 
underline that phrase as problematic, as one that they needed to discuss internally to see if I had broken some laws, right? Going on, uh, later on, I say, this one's on you, engineering profession. And they underline that as well. This is deeply problematic to me. This is like deeply, deeply problematic to me because now in, in my file, in my file with the state where I get a license, they're debating whether I can say certain phrases or not, whether I can say certain words or not, whether the things that I write on my blog that are a critique of the profession are allowed or not. And that is what this is all about. That is what this has been about from day one. That's why the first complaint was filed because people wanted to try to silence me. That's why the second complaint is filed because they want to use this technicality of a lapsed license for someone who is not practicing as an engineer in order to discredit me, in order to discredit this movement, in order to discredit this organization and say, we are lying, we are dishonest, we are misleading the public, we committed fraud. And this board has gone along with it in every step of the way. And I'm shocked. Quite frankly, I'm deeply shocked by what I find in my own file, a tolerance, not only for uh, the complaint, but a, a tolerance for the idea that this type of speech is questionable and is outside the bounds. I, I will post a, a copy of that uh, particular article where the flags and the things are so you can see as well that the state of Minnesota has decided that some of my speech is worth being investigated and worth being looked into. It's hard for me to look at my own file like this and not be disgusted, you know, especially in the context of what we're going through here. I'm a person who goes out and talks. I give speeches. I write blog posts. I do podcasts. I am not out signing plans. I'm not designing bridges. I'm not taking consulting contracts. I'm not out doing anything that would constitute the practice of engineering, except my bio, which has not been updated for a long time, said that I had a license during a period of time where I was fully qualified to be licensed. I'd done all the uh, continuing ed. I had everything. I just hadn't paid my fee and filed my paperwork. And I did. And now this is what we get. This is not at all about holding me accountable. This is not at all about a technical violation of the rules. This is not all about consistent enforcement. This is about one thing and one thing only. And it's about the message that comes out of strong towns. There's a certain group of people within this profession who do not like that message. And whether the board members are part of that or not, they are certainly aiding and assisting the people who want to abuse this process. I hope the heck that the judge gives us a hearing because I think that the lies that they have submitted, the frauds, such as the fact that, you know, they said we had this academy page up before June of 2020 is not true. These things, I think that they should be called to account for that. I think that they should be called to account for the stuff that's in my file. What is this? I, I want to close with this because. I said, this has been really hard. I might just be like an old fashioned person. Like I, I get that. I get that I'm in a profession, not, not engineering, but advocacy. I mean, I'm in a profession that is at times a full contact sport. Like I, I, I get that. And I, I feel like sometimes I'm not cut out for it, right? Something just came into my mind and, and I'm gonna say it and I don't wanna trigger anybody. I remember way back 
and I think it was 2016, I, I can't remember, it was Republican primaries. No, it was way earlier than that, 2012, maybe 2008, I don't remember. We had a governor here in Minnesota named Tim Pawlenty. I thought he was a decent guy. I actually liked him in his first term. In his second term, he figured he might be able to run for president. He kind of changed a little bit, but I, I liked him. He was, he was very Minnesotan. And in the very early debates, I think it was Iowa, I can't remember where, this is a Republican, right? I think I said that. They were having a debate and he had a chance. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm jogging my memory now. It was Mitt Romney. He had a chance to like say something to Mitt Romney's face. And I don't even remember what it was, but it was something that he had said in a rally without Mitt Romney there. And they asked him like, say it to your face. And he couldn't do it. And he wouldn't do it. And he didn't do it. And he was not like a cutthroat guy. And I watched that scene and I watched him get like ripped apart. And I watched him be like mercilessly beat up by the press, right? For being a wimp, not being unwilling to say the cruel thing to someone's face. And I said, I recognize that person. I recognize him as a Minnesotan. <laughs> and that's not to excuse the thing that he said. I mean, I, I think that you know, if you're willing to say something in private, you should be willing to say it in public. I, I think that that's a truism. He said something and he wouldn't say it to the guy's face. And, and I think shame on you, Tim, uh, shame on you, Governor Pawlenty, for not um, saying the thing in the first place that you weren't willing to stand behind. Like that, that's the thing I criticize you for, not the, uh, the lack of willingness to, to mix it up. I recognize that person and I recognize that person because that's the culture that I come from. It's not a culture that thrives in the fight. It's not a culture that thrives in, 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 you know, the battle. I don't like that part of this job. And I particularly hate that part of this court case. I hate it. I hate it. I wish this would go away. I wish it would be done. I wish it never happened. It's very, very difficult to live day to day, knowing that there's a group of people out there who, if they don't believe I'm a liar, that, that bothers me, first of all, that there's people who actually believe that. And maybe they, I can say that they honestly believe it. I have, a trouble, I have trouble believing that they honestly believe it. But there's a group out there that is trying to you know, slander me, to try to say things about me that are not true. There's plenty of things you can say about me. <laughs> there's plenty of criticism you can launch at me that are fair criticisms. That's not one of them. And it really bothers me that that's where we're at. I will go long periods of time without hearing from our attorneys because that's, that's the nature of court cases. You, you do all your filings and then you wait. And now all our filings are in and we'll probably wait for a month or two months or whatever it is to hear back from the judge on whether there'll be a hearing or not. And, and that's kind of the thing we're waiting on. And, and during that period of time, I will let myself forget about this. I'll let myself not think about it. But then there'll be an email, there'll be a phone call. And then all of a sudden, everything in my world, everything in the world that we are working on together all the, the great stuff that Strong Towns is trying to do. We're finishing updating a new strategic plan. We're about to roll out a new vision. We're about to, to really energize this movement. We've got all this like really exciting stuff coming. There will be a random day where a call comes in and I will have to drop everything and review 40 pages of depositions and 40 pages of submittals and 200 pages of this and that. And, you know, be prepared on a moment's notice to kind of drop everything urgent we're working on and focus on this freaking circus. It drives me nuts and it hurts. It hurts. And I wish it would go away. I wanted you all to know 
that the federal court case did not go our way. I want you all to know that we're embroiled in the state case. We're making our best argument that we can. We're going to see this through. If it doesn't go our way, let me put it this way. If it does go our way, and you know it should go our way, the judge will have a hearing or the judge will, you know, if there is some deposition, maybe the judge will just tell the state to drop this. But if if this is found that I, you know, the state is going to say I am a liar or I am, you know, what have you, I, I, I don't see my board wanting to drop this and move on. Like, I don't see us accepting that. I would have a very hard time accepting that myself. I, I don't know. I, I would if it was the best thing for us as an organization and as a movement, but I, I don't know that it is. I really don't. And so I wanted you to know where we're at. I wanted you to know what's going on. I wanted you to know that we're continuing to work on this. And, and I also wanted you to know that we're going to do everything we can to not allow this to be a distraction, to not allow this to be the thing that sucks up our time, to not allow the people who are abusing this process to get what they want, which is to slow us down. It's full speed ahead. And you know, to the extent that I'm going to lose some sleep and the extent that I'm going to be uh, up late and working weekends and doing whatever to get this thing done, I, I, I'm going to promise you right now that I'm not going to let it slow us down. I'm not going to let it distract us. I'm not going to let it do what these haters are trying to do. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for taking the time to, uh, to be here and, and, and to, uh, to be part of this podcast and, and part of the Strong Towns movement and the Strong Towns uh, community. I really appreciate all of you. Oh, there was one last thing I wanted to say. I'm ashamed that I forgot this. As I was going through my file, amidst all the, the negative, the really icky stuff, there was a lot of beautiful things. A lot of people sent letters of support and emails of support and you know, things that were also in my file, people unprompted by me, I never asked anybody to do this unprompted by me. Lots of people just spoke up and said like, Hey, this is wrong. Hey, don't do this. Hey, you know, I support Chuck and he's saying important things and strong towns is, is an important movement and uh, you guys should be supporting him, not attacking him. And it was very beautiful. And I guess maybe this is the right way to close. I, I just want to say to all of you that did that, and to all of you who have sent me letters, sent me notes, and, and, and donated to Strong Towns, and, and had you know written, written a note in your donation saying, you know, keep going. I, I want you to know that I get all of those, and I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you for, for that support. You might look at someone who's you know doing something like this and think, They've got all the support they need, right? And, and let me just say, I've got a, a wonderful wife. I've got great kids. They're 100% behind me. I've got really great board of directors here that is pushing this along with me. I've got a, a really great team. They're very supportive. They're helping out. <laughs> but it means a lot to hear from you. It means a lot to have your support. It means a lot to know that there are so many of you out there who would be part of the official record of my licensing board account, that your names would be in there and that you would show up as part of standing up, you know, standing next to me. It, it means a lot. I can't describe how much it means. So I'll just end by saying thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for all you've done. And um, 
you know, let's keep doing what we can to build strong towns. That's what this is all about. It's about you. It's about your place. It's about making it stronger, making it more successful, making it a better place to live. And even if they brand me a fraudulent heretic or whatever they try to do, I'm not going away. This message is not going away and and you're not going away. So let's keep at it. Thanks everybody. Take care. Talk to you next time. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Oh, Magnet City! I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.